This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, Georgie, check for Dadsy. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. (whistles) Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery free in terms supply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. What's that place you've always wanted to try? Well, you're there, sharing plates with... Just one bite. Or on second thought, maybe not sharing. It's that good. When you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it. Leicester City have a penalty kick in the six minutes of injury time. Injury time. Injury time. Look out, takes. Almunia saves. Look out, follows in. Almunia saves again. So you cut your teeth into that. Your GT returns. There was a barnstorming attempt to try to stay up with games against Grimsby, Reading, and there was some other real kind of throw everything at it moments. Unfortunately, it wasn't quite enough. And you had the first season in in what's now the League One, I suppose it is now. I, I can yeah. never keep I can never keep track of what they're calling it these days. The third tier, then nobody can argue in terms of that. That that again must have been a huge learning curve in terms of you know taking that on. And and GT was sort of in a general manager role. It seemed to be like a, a strange sort of hybrid that first year. Was that a lot about getting? As you mentioned, it was a different club. Was that a lot about getting things back together for that for that first year from uh, uh, from everything else that had gone before it? It was a hybrid, definitely, and and. In terms of ownership, there was um, there was always going to be a change of ownership. Uh, there right. was a couple where it got very close, if you like, and then fell through yeah. Yeah. before right. eventually then, you know, the right people came in. And, and you know, Graham was the pull. I think um, Elton had got involved up to a degree during that, you know, and, and to, was, was, was helping him as well. So, you know, it was a hybrid at that time, getting the right owners to give us half a chance uh, was, 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 you know, a key thing. And, and, yeah. and obviously, you know, it is the, the club then once Graham came back and then it took him a year or so uh, to get the right people to work for, if you like. Uh, but it did stable the club, stabilise the club massively. And, and you know, from, from a time where, you know, we were falling away and, and, and really struggling. But um, from Graham then coming back, it, it was, you know, it was, a, it was a big thing for him to come back. It really was, you know, and, and you know, and as you say, then it, it was a it was a, a hybrid year where really we were treading water. We had, we had some good foundations in terms of players that we brought that did actually go on and do very well for us. Uh, we signed yeah. Alex Chamberlain, 
Uh, he was behind Kevin Miller at the time, funnily enough. Mm, yeah. for, you know, first off, but he was still at the club and then went on to, I thought, have a fantastic time at the Walford Alec Chamberlain. Uh, he was really good. But, mm. but you know, Page was coming through. Millen was there. Steve Palmer. Nigel Gibbs was just coming back from injury. Uh, Paul Robinson was coming through. Uh, Gary Porter was still there. Richard Johnson was just coming through. Yeah. You know, there was yeah, still yeah. a lot of players there. Then, you know, we were... Um, uh, Tommy Murphy was there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so all of a sudden, then that side that won at Wembley was just forming then through that period. And then Graham sort of brilliantly then that summer added to it in terms of Wright, Smart, Ngongi, Micah Hyde, you know, yeah, just yeah. We, 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 we didn't really sign, we didn't sign any defenders, we didn't need any. We didn't sign a keeper, we didn't need one. Kevin Miller left, but we had Alec, you know, so it yeah. was a sort of an evolution of a team there over maybe an 18-month period, but then that, that team sort of took off and, and gave us a great few years. One thing I will say I about players around that sort of time that were coming through the, the, the youth development, they all speak extremely highly of you. We spoke to Gifton yeah. Noel Williams and he was just, he couldn't say enough things, nice things about what you did for his career. He was so grateful for, for what you did to him. So a, a lot of players that we speak to around that sort of mm-hmm. time, Richard Johnson and various other players, they all say, oh yeah, Kenny's the man who did a lot for, for our career. So um, on behalf of them, I'd like to thank you for that because they were, yeah. you know, really... Peter Kennedy as well. Forgot Peter Kennedy, signing. yeah. Graham, it was a really good signing. Yep. Peter took him, for, I think Graham took him from Notts County. Yeah. The terrific yeah. signing, he really was, yeah. Yeah. And even for, for one year, Jason Lee. I mean, I know, Jason, you yeah, know, he, yeah, he, yeah, he gave me... yeah and and Ronnie Rosenthal Ronnie Rosenthal where where did he pull that one from that was that that was a great it was uh, I mean because obviously everybody remembers you know Ronnie flying through against Blackpool and you know the Blackpool goalkeeper basically trying to sign up for a yeah yeah, signing up for a pension as the ball went in I think at the moment (laughs) I mean he just just destroyed it poor guy but did he did he bring a little bit of that kind of to the third tier see what I've done there third tier everybody don't forget third tier Uh, did he did he bring a little bit of that kind of Frankly, kind of stardust factor to the to the to the changing room as much as anything. Obviously, we you know there, as you say, there wasn't a Barnes, there wasn't a Callahan, there wasn't a Bliss, there wasn't a Jenkins. Those are kind of hard to replace. Did he add that element, or was that or is that uh, unfair on the rest of the squad? He was above the level when he came in. You know, and he, he produced it. He, he'd moved down, if you like, but he still was above the level. I think he got injured maybe halfway through the season. And didn't play much, but you know the the first let's say four or five months he played, mm. he, he you know he, he was fantastic. He was above the level. He was a, a forward that could win you. You know, talked to, to, talked earlier about having a forward that can just win you the game, and 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 he did. You know, and and we got it. gave us big momentum. I don't think our our play and our 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 um, let's say you know winning games convincingly wasn't as good after that. But we got such momentum, where we got sort of such a lead in the table, if you like. You know, we could see it through then. Uh, but um, he, he certainly got us going now at the start of that year. On on what was, as I said, after you know for a couple of seasons, been a, a real solid base. You know where we, we you know we did have Page, we had Millen, we had Gibbs, we had Robinson, we had Darren Ward coming through. You know, yes. yeah, yeah, goal. Yeah. you know, there was there was really good players there, and that still was the basis for a few years of you know of some good players. But what, what Graham did then that, that year, he took he, he, he took over. He did sign Michael Hyde, Peter Kennedy, two attacking midfield players, as you said, uh, uh, Jason Lee, Gifton came through, which yeah. helped us. You yeah, know, it was brilliant that season. A yeah. little bit of everything, if you like. But yeah. you know, top Tommy Mooney came into the club. You know, he he did sign those in Gongi, and then later on, right and smart, we made a big contribution. So those attacking players then balanced off. 
you know, the lads at the back who were very, very solid boys, you know, very solid citizens. So those those guys, as he usually did, he got the blend exactly right. Yeah, absolutely. We we have to ask about one particular incident because we we've spoken to about four different people about this particular incident, and <laughs> and, and they're always they're always different views. Justin knows where I'm I going know with where this. you're going with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know where I'm going with this. I do. So um, there, there there was a photo shoot, and Micah Hyde and uh, and Charlie Miller apparently kind of hands went on the wrong knees apparently, and and the photo shoot had to be had to be redone. And we've heard, and it was we were we were either told it was at either Walsall or at Tamworth when GT said, right, you've ruined my day, I'm going to ruin your evening, and drove off without them. What was your what was your memory of the incident and uh, the, the escaping bus as it headed back down the M6? Yeah, that you know that was his sense of humour, Graham. To be honest with you, <laughs> he, 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 he like you're, you're right. I mean, it was a yeah. The, the, in terms of the team photo, anyway, they've they've, they've like put that wrong hand on the wrong knee, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So you know, we've luckily enough. Some, some eagle-eyed person in the office has spotted it before we put it out. So Graham's fuming. His first, oh, he's fuming. Um, we had to then come in on the day off to get it redone. He didn't say anything to them, said nothing. Um, just scheduled day off, had to do it again. All the giggles, you know, the way, didn't say anything, didn't say anything. And, and then, um, yeah, just coming out of a game one time, he said, yeah, we need to go to sort of exit so-and-so as we go. We'd won, so it was OK. But we need to go to exit so-and-so to um, uh, pick up the bus. Obviously, they did. Everybody else knew, and he drove off and uh, and left them. But the, the thing was, he, 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 he knew anyway. He knew some people that would get, you know, there's a couple of supporters that, that picked right. him up, and they actually passed us on the motorway waving at us. You know, <laughs> I know, but he, he wouldn't really leave them, but he... But for for a moment they did think though that as the as the coach as the coach went past them and uh, everybody waved. I, I think so um, that was his humour though. That was his humour, definitely, Graham. He would he would pick it up. He'd make sure they got back. And as I said, you know, I think they actually got home before us. So I think so it was. So, um, so it's okay, but that would be a sense of humour to, to say nothing. Because it is a laugh, you know. The first thing is a is a little bit of a wind up on the times of the photo. He's fuming at first, yeah. And, and but, but you know, his 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 humour will be there all of the time. I think it was Micah Hyde said that it was you that told him and. Kenny there to, 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 uh, to, 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 to yeah, that's my job. You know, <laughs> yeah. That was how it is. Exit, you know. Charlie, sorry, yeah, I think you said. Ex- exit B for you two. There's, uh, you know, we're going have to go right round and go through whatever the excuse was, but uh, I had to tell him. Yeah, that was uh, fantastic. That was it. Love it. Yeah, the life oh, of an assistant manager. Yeah, this fantastic. is this is this is wonderful stuff. I'm loving this. Before we move on to the playoff year, what was the day at Fulham like for you? Yeah, it was a, well, it was good. It was good that we had a big team. You know, sometimes you need a big game. You know, and sometimes you don't need to be like let's say the odds-on favourite where the crowd are at home. You know, so we did feel it was quite a good game for us because you know they they they'd spent a lot of money. You know, they, as you say, had some real star players. So you know, we we, we felt we need we we thought we thought we could get a result definitely hundred percent. But the fact it was a big game against big opposition was the right one for us on that particular time you know might have been nervy if we'd have had maybe a bottom side at home or yeah. something and the crowd would have been edgy you know but uh worked out well for us wonderful stuff before we go into this then I've, I've just worked through i think your promotions as an assistant and as a manager and correct me where i'm wrong here because i probably missed one undoubtedly knowing me two promotions obviously at watford one at qpr i think you went and worked with with ian holloway to yeah. And, and got them up. I love, I love that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As, as you do. A promotion at Swansea, a promotion at Millwall, and a promotion at Wolves as manager. And at, and at Portsmouth, you had the highest win ratio 
since 1904. <laughs> <laughs> I told you there was a stat coming. 1904, you had a, a win ratio of 50.71%. That that was an that's an astonishing managerial career for, for anybody of, of any of any period. How, how much did working with GT allow you to be able to kind of push out on your own? How much did that allow you know help you kind of pushing through and pushing onwards yeah, on your definitely. own? You know, uh, uh, Graham was a, a massive factor. You know, there's there's like I said, there's a there's a thoroughness to to, to the man that you know I took with me definitely. I do think though, you know, in terms of my dad as well you know yeah. I was brought, brought up to to study football if you like you know so it's something that I was I was I was interested in but yeah for, you know for to, to, to work for so many years as a player and as a manager and, and as assistant manager with Graham Taylor there's no doubt about it it did help me certain certain times of the season had to take the pressure off the players at certain times you know you you're going well you get up around that February time it's to be sticky up and around those playoffs and you have to take the pressure off the players so you know there's a lot of things that only experience tell teaches you and and you know he was obviously a you know really really big factor and it was a, it was a pleasure to to, to work with him. So when when you go into you know any one of those those clubs, Swansea, Millwall, Wolves, etc. I mean, and obviously Wolves, massive massive team, a massive club, Millwall and Swansea, big clubs in their own right. When when you take over a club, what what's the checklist of things that you kind of think you've got to do in the first 30, 60, 90 days or what have you? What how how do you go in and start? Right, how am I going to do this? Your observation is massive. You know, you, first off, you can't miss anything. You can't miss anything on any single person, and and your calls have got to be right. Uh, obviously, yeah. you know, squad building is, is 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 a really big thing. You look in the media now; it's massively analysed, isn't it? In terms of yeah. you know, people's ins, people's outs. You know, the age of the squad, uh, uh, the balance of the squad, the injuries, the right depth. Not too many players, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, squad planning is a, is an absolute massive part, and you do need some help on that. You know, when you're going into a club, you, you, mm-hmm. hopefully there's some people there, or you need to appoint some people that can then, while you're sort of on the day to day training ground all of the time, you need then some, you know people to look at the bigger picture as well and, and actually get the squad planning right. Make sure the balance is there. Um, you're one step ahead in terms of upcoming contracts, which is a massive yeah. thing. You know, because playing catch up all the time it's really really difficult and and you know when when you get to the, the stage where you know you are getting it right you need to sort of your scouting needs to be about two years ahead as a club wow mm. uh, and, and it does and that's why now the the head coach is, is is only sort of partly responsible for that if you like you know because he's obviously not going to look that far ahead but the club needs to whoever the club are you know and you, you look at let's say Man City's pursuit of Haaland if you like you know yeah probably proved that you know they got him in the summer for what 55 million didn't they mm. you know and wait, yeah. waiting for the clause if you like you know now some you know, fantastic planning by that particular club to be able to do that <clears throat> with that in mind everything you just said about the planning and all the rest of it how does that interface with kind of the model that we've got the moment where head coaches are seemingly coming and going at quite an alarming rate they they can't be doing any of this kind of planning or anything like that can they I, don't, I, I think they'll be always be involved. You know, there's there's no owners or, or let's say directors of football that won't involve the the current head coach in it. You know, the, right. So it will be, it, it, it will be part of the process 100. Just just he he can't be the sole one. That's all. Right. One, one, I just don't think that you can get around. You can't get around the country to watch all the players. And now yeah. it's a world game. You can't get around the world to see all the players. So there's no one <laughs> way that one guy can do everything. So so to dilute it is logical. You know, I promise you. 
Right. Uh, but, yeah. um, but you know, the, the, the head coach will be part of the process, you know, he will be, because I, I can't see an owner putting a lot of money in and then, you know, not getting the buy-in necessarily of the coach. I think he would, ha- he would have to be part of the process. Maybe there's a time when, you know, the head coach wants him and the club want him. Well, that's, yeah, that's, that's they're, they're, the, they're the tough ones, aren't they? You know, oh, absolutely, they're, they're yeah. That's, that's, that's where it is. But even so, in terms of the process, it is, it is the right process now. You know, you, you, one person can't be responsible for everything. Right. And, and be able to sit, you know, you can't concentrate Saturday, Tuesday on your own team and, and be able to get around and identify, you know, a player, let's say around Europe or, you know, even in the lower leagues and, you know, mm. be able to, to study it properly. You do need help, definitely. So, but, but yeah, in terms of the models now, you know, the, the head coach still will be in all of the meetings. And aware I'm, I'm i'm sure of it because i can't see people owning and buying a club and, and realizing that if they don't get that guy's buying it's not going to work right but what are your thoughts on the large turnover of head coaches at watford yeah i think that um in terms of the ownership i think they've done fantastically well for the club hmm. you know six six years in the in the premier league went yep. straight back up last time when they when they came down to the championship and you're looking at the ground and how fantastic it is hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking about days where you know there was a dog track there. And, <laughs> you know, the, well, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, you know, of course. The, yeah, yeah. God yeah. yeah. knows how long, and you know somebody needs to knock it down, didn't they? You know, yes. and, so they, you know, the training ground, the ground. Uh, you look into the lounges behind; it's fantastic. The success on the pitch. You know, the players that they've got, even, you know, Yao Pedro at 20 years old, that's a fantastic prospect, doesn't he? You know, mm. fantastic, you know, there's there's some really good players there. And 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 you, you do get tough times, though. You, you never all go smoothly. It just can't do. You know, mm. we're talking about years gone by. And, you know, yeah, we, we we went up sort of twice in two years, but then we had a horrible year in the Premier League. We did. Quality, you know, yeah. Well, yeah, no, you're right. You know, so, so in, but in terms of, you know, where they are now, they've done fantastically well for the club, I think, to be honest with you, and, and mm. uh, some, some great players. Players have for us in recent years as well. Very true. So, and if ever a, if ever a sentence kind of brings us full circle on the on the last two questions there about know why you can't be scouting everybody and Yao Pedro looks you know Yao Pedro was identified at about sixteen or well, fifteen or sixteen playing for Fluminense mm-hmm. before he was actually playing first team for Fluminense. Mm-hmm. I mean that's that that shows the requirement for the network in terms of that network. Then once you've become a, a manager and you've kind of had a couple of seasons and a few seasons, do you start to build the network therefore to be able to rely on so for the next jobs you've got kind of somewhere to go already or do you always have to kind of go hold on I've got to see what I've got when I'm going into the new club before I kind of rely on that or is it just a question of make do and mend depending on depending on the club and the role in an ideal world you've you've got it set up for the next one but it doesn't really doesn't work like that some yeah. people can work already and can't get there you know and, and and also as well there may be people incumbent in the club that you're going in that the the valued or very good and, and you know, so you you, you are looking then, and, and sometimes it can take you know a lot of time to to to, to build that up as well behind you know. But it is a necessary um, in terms of like let's say like management. Uh, management is sixty or seventy percent recruitment. You know, it's thirty or it's thirty or forty percent coaching and and man management, but it's sixty or seventy percent recruitment. Hmm. Now, whether you do it, 
whether you know somebody else does it, whatever. It's usually a combination of people. Even in the old days, a good manager always had a chief scout. You know the the the, the sort of sayings were when I was playing. Well, you've got a good chief scout. You know, treat him well, pay him well, because you know he'll, he'll look after you. He'll look at Brian Clough and Peter Taylor. You know, Peter yes. Taylor was uh, kind of players, didn't he? Yeah. You know, yeah. Brian yeah. Clough yeah. managed them. Yeah. That was it, and you know that that was where it is. So you know, it's, it's, although there's more people involved, you know, the principles are the same. So that in terms of like getting a football club right anyway and however many people are involved whatever the titles are it's 60 or 70 percent recruitment 30 40 percent coaching and coaching and management that, that that's where it is there you, there you go that's you see that that's where my football career went wrong i have to say <laughs> people people said it was it was timing it wasn't it was crapness that was really what it was <laughs> never mind the famous Sloping Pitch podcast. We're following the greatest show on earth. But would you like pitch side seats for all the action in Qatar? The heat, the goals, the drama? Well, so would we. But why not join me, Nick Hancock, in Stoke-on-Trent and co-host Chris England in London's SW16. Every game live from England. The famous Sloping Pitch podcast. We think this tournament could be OK. Sport Social. Let's just quickly put, go back to the that glory year. 98-99 was, as you say, we didn't have those stardust players that we were privileged to have in the, in the 80s, uh, the 70s and the 80s, I should say. And so that promotion, probably above all others, feels like the most almost unlikely, if that makes sense. It was kind of in and of itself. It was just amazing. From everything from the, the difficulty in and around the middle of the season before Alan Smart hits someone and, uh, you know, various things go on at Tranmere and we get this kind of resilient win and go on this immense, immense run. And Tommy Mooney scores seven in six. I will never forget that ever again, having got that the wrong way around previously. He was happy. Um, <laughs> I think you'll find I scored seven, Peter. Oh, I'm sorry, Tom. Um, <laughs> that, that felt an amazing run. And the feel-good factor that you spoke about with the 80s had come back with, with, with yourself and Luther and GT, and it was very much the three, was there. And it just felt like a momentum that was going on, that when we got into the playoffs, that game against Bolton, everybody just seemed ridiculously confident in the stands. How was that day for you? You know, you can go back and, you know, Alec Chamberlain's performance in the semi-final, you know, was was fantastic. Uh, yeah. You know, the save from Paul Furlong, you know, the, so it's, it's always tight, much tighter than you think, you know. We did have... The, the, the best momentum going into the playoffs out all of the time all of the teams because of the run that we had definitely mm. and, and Graham he, you know he just brought a psychologist in just at the end of the season we had some some real key meetings I felt and, and it, it was brilliant by him to do that you know it was a, it was a fantastic bit of insight when towards the end of the season you know you can you, you, if things are getting tired he refreshed it very very well he was brilliant at that he, he brought Tony Daly out of like nowhere yes. I think yes. Tony you know, Daly really played the, the Birmingham Tony, you know, fantastic player isn't he you know yeah. he had to watch at the end of his towards the end of his career anyway but, yeah. but you know, what 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 a, a performance he put on at that time and I remember him telling you know, I'm assistant manager and I, you know, I talk about Graham but he said yeah we'll, we'll play Tony Daly okay <laughs> but, and he hadn't been near it you know all right? yeah. he said, you watch him play in Birmingham how much you know and it was only really then when I got up to work at Wolves that I realised how 
big Tony Daly was in the Midlands. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Those type of things, if you like. But he just said, yeah, yeah, yeah you watch him, he'll, 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 he'll fly. And he absolutely pulled, you know, he pulled out the game of his life and he played fantastic. You know, from Graham, again, it was a, it was a great move because Tony hadn't been near it, you know, really in terms of going through. And, you know, it was a, it was a great move anyway. So he, he could refresh it at the right time. He did. That was a that was a classic one. Alex performance out at Birmingham where he seemed at times where he was playing them on his own. I thought it was fantastic. He was and, and you're right, they ran into the to the um to the Bolton game. The you know the bit the, there's key moments. The big moment was you know good Johnson was was through and he put it wide, didn't he? You he know, did. Yeah. Yep. Really, and mm. it's still I do I do good Johnson. You, you fancy him to score, don't you? You know yeah, what he's yeah. done since. But um, you know, he went through. It didn't seem like there was anybody else. It was him against Alec in about thirty yards of space, wasn't it? And he put it wide. <laughs> yeah. and, and really, at that moment, I did think on the side, yeah, this is going to be our day. Yeah. Yeah, my, my dad said to me, it's not their day when it happened. Yeah. That, that could be us today. So, yeah. yeah, there were key moments, but yeah, did we have some spirit and some belief? Yes, we did. And, and you know, the, 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 the manager could refresh it at the time and, and, and make the right moves and, and, and he made the right calls and it worked. Absolutely. Wonderful times. Wonderful times. So, some questions sent in by uh, by punters. Uh, Mr. Paul Turner, he of the uh, 240 characters in Twitter fame normally, he's shortened this. He said, my question for the legend, I'm just reading this, there you go. My question for the legend is if the club had let him take over from GT instead of Luca Viali, where does he think he would have been able to get us that season? Yeah, I, I think it was probably the right thing after Graham to go completely, you know, away from it. I've been sort of a... Um, and uh, you know they're quite a, a long time myself and and for myself I probably needed to go and move on as well because I'd only been you know I've been at Watford since I was 12 years old yes. and, and yeah. I needed yeah. to just maybe just spread my own wings really, and I've got to be honest with you Graham, Graham told me that you know when he when he said look you know he, he was retiring and and he, 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 he was sort of big on Try what when he did retire, trying to keep as many staff in place as possible. But he did say that you know, yeah, you on. But I think it's going to be the best thing for you, really, if I'm, if I'm truthful. And, and I did agree with him, you know, when he said that. So I think from a personal level, I wasn't surprised. Um, the club at the time handled it very, very well. They were very honest, which is which is what you want. Mm-hmm. And and um, you know, I do think it was right to necessarily, you know, to try to almost have a let's say. You know, a, a, a change of direction. Whether it worked or not, it's for other people to to decide. Necessarily, you know, they were trying to have a good go, get back in into that into that Premier League, which at the time the club really needed. If it could have, you know, it would have been fantastic, wouldn't it? We could have got back in. But in terms of myself, you know, I I, I didn't think it was really ever going to happen because of the time that I'd been there. And 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 really, as I said, looking at myself and my own career, it probably benefited me to you know to go and work away. I actually. You know, funny enough, I went from being assistant to Graham Taylor to assistant to Ian Holloway at Queen's Park Rangers. <laughs> Chalk and cheese, well, the must fly to mine, surely. There's a, there's a real contrast there. Yeah, I'd say. <laughs> and, and that's just the hairline, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> superb stuff. Uh, Simon, Watford FC asks for your most memorable that most memorable game during your playing career. Yeah. Which could be what could be Wales. Yeah. Now you're looking at the, you know, the, 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 the Southampton, the Sunderland games really, you know, 7-1, 8-0. You're looking at those games really. They were, they were fantastic games to be honest with you. You know, when we're, we're, we're going through, we take them to, you know, we take them to extra time and then we keep scoring. The atmosphere in Vickers yeah. was probably 
probably the best I've, I've ever seen. So, you know, I've got to say some, somewhere between those two really were fantastic games, you know, yeah. Yeah, and the Sunderland game was astonishing because Chris Turner in the Sunderland goal was probably man of the match because it, <laughs> it genuinely could have hit double figures without... It was just, it was the most ridiculous game to watch. Superb stuff, superb stuff. Everybody got in the stadium, even in the first 20 minutes. You know, when you pick up, there's a, you know, it's a bit, it picked up like that way. And we obviously did, but the crowd did early. And then sort of the crowd then spurred the players on, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, both of them in terms of atmosphere and Vicarage Road was was the best and and probably the two most special games. Yeah. Did you find that the nighttime games had that extra element of Vicarage Road? It always tends to be something that's seemed to be a feature of Vicarage Road. Yeah, it did. Yeah, definitely. The, yeah, the nighttime games are, you know, some something special about it, and, and and around about that time where you know we were trying to take down the big boys, if you like, you know, some of the, <laughs> yeah. some of the games are fantastic. But you know, the ones on a Saturday as well, we, we, we always sort of loved the, the the Spurs and the Arsenal games. They were special games, you know, because you know, the big London sides really, and, mm. and you know, trying to get wins over them early early on when when for for so long they've been established at the top of the top of the tree in the game, and you know, what what would have been in the lower division. Super stuff. Steve asks, yeah, ask him what it's like to be the second best left-footed player on the planet after Maradona, but before Messi. <laughs> that seems fairly glowing, I'd say. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm pleased he didn't mention my right because uh, you know I was I was very I was very one-sided and very very left-footed definitely, but uh, I was confident on that side. Uh, you know, I've, I've got to say though, I, I can't put myself in the category of Maradona. Almost, <laughs> a little bit high. I, I'll stick to a you know comparison with Tom Wally on the left foot. I think. You know. oh, oh no, you beat him. You beat him. There you go. I'm, I'm sure you did. <laughs> uh, and, and, unless we can interview him next week, in which case I'll turn on you as quick as anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, when when GT so uh, a question here from uh, uh, from Wendover Horn when GT left the first time and you were still playing did you have any opportunities to move on and was going with him to Villa ever an option yeah I did inquire definitely the club turned it down but you know they did they did inquire I had a chance as well to go to Queen's Park Rangers at the time which I, I didn't want to go and, and then quite quickly I got an injury to be honest with you as well then you know so two, two sort of fleeting chances if you like I still felt though that you know we, we could get going again because there was some really good players there at the time you know if you're looking at forwards okay we didn't have let's say John Barnes or a Morris Johnson or whatever but you know we had Ewan Roberts we had, we had uh, Malcolm Allen here, you know, went on to play for Newcastle. You know, we had Dean mm. Yeah, yeah. You know, some, yeah, like we had like Gary Thompson. We had Gary Penrice. Yeah, yeah. We had Paul Wilkinson. Yeah, you know, so, so sort of for our level, really, if you like, I was looking at the top end of the pitch, if you like, you know. But it's hard to find the forwards, isn't it? Always. And, and oh, yeah. um, so we had some good players at that time, you know. And I did feel that you know we we could we could go again. Maybe then just the chairman just moving out of it completely just you know stopped it slightly but you know there was like I say you know I did feel that there was a basis of a good side there and and um, you know we could come again and, and but unfortunately it didn't work out that way Dave Lavender friend of the pod um, has asked two questions he says the best player you played alongside club and country and also the best slash hardest player you ever played against again club and country that's four questions Dave you're running riot with Twitter I have to say so there we go best with club and country player player really is probably two John Barnes and Ian Rush you know it's hard to split them different types of players as well you know Ian Rush quick he, he he was he was lightning quick and he can anticipate it quicker than you as well 
it was really hard to mark him, you know, and and he didn't need two chances to score. He could score right or left, yeah. you know. So different types of players, but but Barnes and Rush were, you know, playing against Barnes in training was so hard, you know, it was just so good, so strong, you know, it's really, really difficult. So both of them were were special players in terms of playing with. I played yeah. unfortunately so I played with them and against both of yeah. them. And 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 so, you know, those two guys, you know, were were fantastic. What was the second or the third and the fourth? It, it was it was the, the best or the hardest player you played against club and country. I mean, obviously, a young Rude Hullet in the hairstyling department uh, <laughs> had something on Ian Holloway, I would suggest. But other than that... Um... No, remembering that, remembering jumping with him for, for a header, you know, and he was just, he was just, he was like that, you know, he was quite there, me. He, was, he, was just, he was a man mountain, to be honest with you. And he was only a young kid then, to be honest with you. Yeah. He was turns and marking him at corners and nobody... Nobody could stay with him, so I'm sure he wasn't a hard player, but he was just about the you know the, the most yeah. the strongest, the most powerful one I ever played against. Wow! And uh, and at club level, at club level, yeah, it's a tough one. There was a crazy player played for Portsmouth, Mickey Kennedy. Do you remember him? Yeah, there's a guy called Mickey Kennedy. Jason has asked for your impressions of Rob Edwards from your time with him at Wolves. Yeah, what, 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 really good coach. Um, yeah, he's a really good coach. Uh, done well in a short space of time in terms of his management. Is 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 ready for you know for the chance? If you're looking at you know he's done a little bit of non-league. He's been caretaker manager of Wolves. He's been in the coaching department there. He's he's worked for England. You know, he's he's done a little bit of everything in quite a short space of time. So you know, it's, there's a good wide range there, and he is ready for it. And 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 I I do think you know and you know he's a outstanding coach and, and um, will have a very, very good career. While we're just talking about Wolves, um, I, I I seem to remember a boxing day that you managed to spoil for me when you were Wolves manager and you beat Watford at home a few years ago. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Is it odd when you beat Watford as a manager? Yeah, it was strange. Um, coming back first off, probably Millwall. You know, I don't mm. think when I was manager of Swansea first, I don't think we played Watford. I remember, but anyway, I remember coming back with Millwall and and the Watford crowd gave me a great clap, which I really yeah. appreciate, you know. And, and yeah, I really, yeah, I really did appreciate. I know it's quite unusual to do that if you like, if you you know, because they're playing you that night and they want to beat you. Of but, course, you know, it was, it was fantastic coming out of that, uh, out out of that, and then you know the the rookery then as you know clapping me as a Millwall manager that night and wanting to wanting to uh, 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 obviously everybody wants to win. I think maybe they did sort of give me quite a good reception on in terms of announced it as well, you know. But anyway, I, I was delighted with that really I remember that one on Millwall and got you know a fantastic reception to be honest with you in terms of a clap I've always said though whenever I've been back as an opposing coach uh, I came back because I was in between jobs really I think it was between maybe Swansea and you know, Swansea and Millwall I was I was a coach at Manchester City and oh, wow. uh, came back as well and come back then and you know got a really good reception then I think I was out on the pitch and you know, the warm up etc which, which was really good as well to be honest with you because uh, um, yeah it was a uh, Premier League game it was yeah Man City Watford and it was out sort of quite early and not that many people in the ground uh, so various times anyway really good receptions and always appreciated it brilliant question from Miss, Mr Prospector that's easy for me to say not um, who was your best midfield partner and what was it like being effectively in a two man midfield against up against three quite a lot <laughs> almost every week yeah uh, uh, undoubtedly Les Taylor he was you know the spell at Watford where he was fantastic you know his best Best fellow of his career, and, and so you know, Leicester Taylor was the best, the best one. Kevin Richardson, Richardson was a good player, different type of player, a little bit better mm-hmm. technically, maybe very, very good at set pieces. Kevin, and uh, well, but you know, I, I would have to say Les Taylor, and and you know, we played in a in a 
two-man midfield because we had four outstanding forwards. You know, if another if another area is so strong, and it was, it, it, it was worth it. And for the period that we played, it was worth doing that as a team, even if we were outnumbered. And we did know that if we could negate three players and maybe just come out 50-50 even on some occasions, yeah. then our forwards yeah. would win us the game. Because, you know, going man for man, if, if, if they took us on and they left those players man for man, we would win. Mm. You know, I felt, mm. and they could maybe overlap, they could maybe overload the midfield. And as long as we could, let's say, hold them, uh, if we could get on top of them, we'd definitely win. That, that would be the case, you know. So you're talking about risk and reward, really. Who, who, what would you say since that time has been the best Watford central partnership that you've seen I kind of think I know where I'm kind of leaning on because there's probably two players who kind of did a similar thing for a period Kapua is a great player wasn't he you know oh yeah, some, some good, yeah, yeah. You know, Will Hughes I thought was excellent at the year that you know Watford went up from from you know from the champ I thought Will Hughes was I really like Will I think he's a good player so you know the modern game midfield players have, have come across in the last six years I do think that um, if you're going back then before that maybe Richard Johnson Michael Hyde Peter Kennedy no, no disrespect to them or to us really you know the guys that you've had in the last five or six years you've had some fantastic you know Kapoor well, I thought was a fantastic player True. It, it was it was, it was Kapoor and Dekure that I was thinking of in the centre yeah. there up against the three quite a lot and, and again mixing it but it says an awful lot you turn around and say well there's two versus three but if we could win 50% of it it's like there's still three of them against you but you go yeah what the hell well that's, that says so much about the quality that's superb stuff thank you sir we're all Steve Hornet we're going to put it forward he asks were Tony and Kenny ever asked to put their jacket and coat on oh no no <laughs> we're all Steve we, we're all Steve Mr. 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 Jacket is smiling. There smiling. you go. He's You've smiling. done well. Yes. You've done well. You've done well. And as you know, this, this podcast has no quality assurance on anything. <laughs> Zero. But, but there you go. Kenny, thank you so much for your time this evening. It's wonderful to reminisce about absolutely golden days, but your whole career that spanned from 12, um, you know, all, all the way through and also still, you know, kind of being in touch with the club. And yes, when you come back, you, sir, you are loved and it is home. <laughs> would there, would there be any opportunity at any point to work as a sort a sort of a mentor in a mentor role? We mentioned earlier on Bertie Mee, who came in and was to GT that world of experience, that world of understanding, and you re- you know, to the point where you referenced him earlier on. Is that some at some point in the in the in the far future when you may have decided, you know, no more, no more first team stuff? Is that something you think you might consider? Yeah, I do want to uh, get back into the game. I, th- I, I think probably my, my future maybe lies in recruitment now, you know, the squad planning side of it. I do think it's yeah. very interesting, but you're right. There's there's, there's, there's several roles, you know, there's, there's there's different ones. I am open-minded. I, you know, I do want to get back into, into football, but but similarly, it would have to be, let's say, the the, the, the right thing and the right role, really, that sort of uses my experience. I, 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 I doubt whether it will be frontline management, uh, but uh, yeah, the, the, you know, the right, at the right place at the right time, yes, I do think that there is a role there. Uh, as I said, you know, in terms of myself and my own career yeah re- recruitment and the squad planning side does interest me a lot you know I do think it's a key as well to be honest with you it's a hard part of it and, and particularly now with you know multi-year contracts etc um, yeah. we do have to be you know thinking ahead and planning ahead so you know the, 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 those areas are really key to every single club not, not necessarily just Watford well any prospective club owners who are listening Kenny is prepared to fly on first class to both uh, Serie A and La Liga um, <laughs> <laughs> at, 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 at the 
drop of a check post should hope so too absolutely Kenny thank you very much for joining us on the Do Not Scratch Your Eyes podcast it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you thank you very much The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around, you've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget. Snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.